is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo, and with me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. What up? What's going on, Ange? Uh, you know, just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> just I don't, like have, a, I don't have a good intro today. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's the holiday weekend for it for is. most. It is for most of us. So that's right. You're off today. It's a Monday, and you're not working. I know. Very weird. Yeah, I worked I'm already. O- I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm very okay with it. All right. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast to discuss anything and everything within the galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea. Lauren. Did you know? Mm. This is our 40th episode of the Galactic Podcast. I didn't know that. Wow. That's great. Yeah. It's How crazy. Exciting. Yeah. It's wow. Very crazy. I didn't yeah, think we'd 40. ever get here. <laughs> Look at Look us. At us. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but yeah, we have done 40 of these uh, silly little podcasts for people, so... Uh, kind of crazy and kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, with that, though, it is also the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back this month. My favorite movie. It is mine as well. This is it's it's mine as well uh, for multiple reasons. But uh, we figured today, since it's our 40th, let's talk about The Empire Strikes Back's 40th anniversary. Hang on. You know um, what else turns 40 this year? What? Me. <laughs> It's true. In a couple weeks. In a couple weeks. Uh, me and the Empire Strikes Back are the same age. How crazy is that? That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's cool. <laughs> I feel like, like then Empire Strikes Back, I have aged quite well. <laughs> Just like Empire Strikes Back, I agree. Just like it. <laughs> Just like it. Uh, two peas in a pod. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about, I mean, it's, it's for me, I, I tweeted this out a couple um when it was the the actual anniversary, mm-hmm. I tweeted out that this is probably the movie that got me into Star Wars for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one that I remember. I've I've talked about this probably multiple times on the show, but it's the one that I remember watching over and over again for some reason. It just is. I mean, the Hoth scene. I just remember Vader coming through the base. I remember you know Luke going to Dagobah, Cloud City. I remember all that. You know, then Luke and Vader fighting at the end. It, it's the one that grabbed my attention the most, and like I watched the most when I was younger, and I still probably watch more more so than the other ones. But yeah, it's just it's it's the film that that got me into this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it grabbed me more than the others. For I mean, again, nothing wrong with any of the other movies because I love all the Star Wars. I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you if I didn't. But it's the one that um, you know meant, means the most to me, probably. Um, and I think. For many reasons. I think one of the reasons I like it is because of Leia's character. I think coming from A New Hope to Empire Strikes Back, she was still portrayed as a very solid female uh, character. They didn't kind of, you know, uh, dumb her down or anything like that. They kept her strong in this movie as well. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was very, very cool. Um, I think the storyline in itself was great. You know how obviously in this one, Luke goes and does his thing. Han, Leia, Chewie and uh, C-3PO do their thing. You know, and I kind of like how you're kind of following two different kind of storylines. And then av- and then eventually mm-hmm. they kind of came together at the end. But let's talk about kind of your overall thoughts, though, of it and anything that kind of you remember uh, as you first watched it or anything like that. Uh, I would say growing up, the Return of the Jedi really sticks in my head the most. I would say probably mm-hmm. because of the Ewoks and we were we were kids and Jabba. Yeah, makes, and it was sense. like it was really fun. But if I think about scenes that had me like sitting still in my seat and being completely just glued to the TV. It's every scene from The Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's not that I was like super serious when I, you know, when I was like a (laughs) three-year-old and I was like, oh my gosh, this drama is so intense. But I mean, come on, you know, Vader revealing that he's Luke's father. That is not just dramatic, but it, the way it was shot, the reaction out of Luke, it had so much like intensity to it that even mm-hmm. as a young kid, I remember feeling that I was sitting completely still in those moments watching it because it right. was that um, enthralling. Yeah. Hoth, I remember, you know, the Tauntauns, the asteroid field, them being in that creature, Boba Fett, Cloud City, Lando, Carbonite. All of that, of course, Yoda and Dagobah, it -hmm. just had so many strong elements in it. And when I was a kid, it was just something that I enjoyed watching and knew that I liked the story and liked the climax of it. As an adult now, it is I can see how like well written, directed, edited all all the elements that that go into play with that is just absolutely awesome. Yeah, I think I, I, I think that like um it now, like when I watch it, I don't think of it as a sequel. Like, I, I know a lot of people like name it as like the best sequel, you know, and rightfully right. so, because when the movie right. did come out, a lot of people thought, oh, well, the second one's never going to be as good as the first one. Sequels are usually a flop that's, you know, you really shouldn't do that. So in essence, it was kind of a sequel at first, even though George did have the plan of having it as a trilogy. Right. But it's true. It's it's way better than the it's flat out better than the first one. I I only know one, two other sequels or second movies that are greater than the first. And one is Aliens and the other one is The Godfather Part 2. But if I had to list those, Empire Strikes Back would be the best sequel of all time. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with the whole, you know, you can you count it as a sequel, but it's it's so much more. And like you kind of you were touching on, like how, you know, uh, younger me was just enthralled with all the the cool the cool stuff the lightsaber fight the blasters these huge walking walkers on the snow and hoth you know but now as you get older you see the deeper themes and you know connect to it in a different way so it it yeah it has a totally different meaning to me now than when i was a kid too for sure you know just kind of like you were saying but i i think what still sticks out to me is just how how the story was just it it flowed so well and like you were saying the special effects even back then like it was kind of groundbreaking stuff they were doing yeah it really at was the time. I mean, it was it was huge. I mean, they they were they were the first to kind of do some of these techniques or at least, you know, maybe their their own spin on it. uh, ILM, you know, and this is, you know, and now you kind of fast forward to the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Look at the technology they're using now for that show. It's interesting to see how, you know, 
Star Wars itself has kind of pushed technology, but, you know, specifically in Empire Strikes Back, again, you even look at A New Hope and you can tell like what things they changed and the little things that that made it even better than A New Hope. Yeah. You know, the special effects and everything like that. And yeah, like you kind of you're saying, too, it was interesting that, you know, George wrote the story. He didn't mm-hmm. direct it. Irving Kirshner directed it. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, I liked that George let somebody direct it, but he was still telling his story mm-hmm. because I've said it. And I think we've both said it before that George Lucas is probably one of the best storytellers out there. Mm-hmm. 100%. He just is. What's funny is he doesn't think so. And right. and for this movie, he it's flat out it's funny that we think that this movie has so many strong elements in it and George only thought he had one element and that was the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father. He thought right. that that was it. He said that this was the middle act and in the middle act not much happens and all he had was this reveal. So he didn't even feel like the story was that strong. So that's why he kind of decided to do. Yeah, isn't it? So I was watching the, um, it was on one of my bonus material discs. I can't remember which one. I don't know if it was a Mm Blu-ray or a standard, but Mm -hmm. it was uh, like a 30 year anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And he was saying how that's why he put the Battle of Hoth in the beginning so that he had something going on in the beginning. And normally you would like build up to a battle at the end, but he was going to like put it in the beginning. And then that way, when they revealed Vader at the end, it was more personal because you just had a single fight in between Luke and Vader. And then in the middle, he knew he didn't have much at all. And it's so funny. It almost kind of reminds me of The Last Jedi, but I digress. So he knew that he just had a little bit with Yoda which they had no idea what that was going to be like whatsoever. (laughs) And then he was like, that's like 20 minutes. Like, what do I do? So then he created Leia and Han splitting off and being chased by the Empire. That's why I said it reminds me of um, Last Jedi. (laughs) Right. But when we look at it and we dissect it into all these singular scenes, like, you know, them being in the asteroids, Luke being on Dagobah and Yoda raising the de- the Death Star, the X-Wing out of the, the swamp, getting into Cloud mm-hmm. City. All this stuff in the middle is so strong, yet this was just like filler for George. He wasn't even sure about any of it. It's crazy right. to me. Yeah. It's, again, that's just how smart. And how brilliant that guy is, is that the moments that people connect to aren't ones that he felt are not that he, not that they're not important. But like you're saying, they were, quote unquote, fillers, per se, that just helped move the story along. But it's moments that so many people connect with. Like you're saying, when Yoda lifted up the, the X-Wing and he tells Luke, this is why you fail. Or, you know, what I'm saying like all those little the the Yoda quotes that are in this movie. How many times have people quoted them and you can use them in your everyday life? Like that's how crazy, like you're saying, like these fillers to George are so important to many people. Yeah. Like to the fans overall. Yeah, it's it's insane. So when he so the other thing that George said is that he really didn't even want to write too much. He just wanted to write the first draft and kind of have the idea of what was going on. And he wanted people to to like kind of move it along and and clean it up for him. So he used uh, Lawrence Kasdan to help him, who was a co-writer of it. And one of the big things they kind of went over at first was Yoda's backwards talking and like I don't know if he calls him Larry. I'm going to call him Larry, not Lawrence. (laughs) 
Larry was like, <laughs> this backwards talking is weird. And he was like, yeah, but the reason he did it is because he knew that it was a bunch of like philosophical jargon that people might not find interesting whatsoever. Like, cause you were saying very large things like huge concepts and some people kind right. of not, not off when you do that, you know? Right. And, right. and, he knew that that was it was going to be hard to keep people's attention. So the reason he wanted Yoda to speak backwards is so that people kind of had to pay more attention to what he was saying and figure out what he was saying. And that was a way to kind of keep Yoda interesting. I thought that was so freaking fascinating. And it works. Yeah. Uh, just like you're saying, it works because, I mean, how many times, you know, do or do not, there is no try. I mean, you know, how many, there's so many, like we were just saying, there's so many quotes within that section of the movie between Luke and Yoda. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like crazy. It was, just, it was just like basic wisdom. Like, honestly, a lot of different, right, like, right. it comes out of, you know, a lot of the themes that Yoda talks about, you hear it in Buddhism, you hear it in Christianity, right. Um, right. You, right. you hear it in all types of, like, spiritual realms. And sometimes that stuff is, is hard to take in. But mm-hmm. I find it fascinating that George found this way. It's almost like the force was with him. I mean, honestly. Oh, 100%. It's right. like literally the... Every all the planets were aligned for George in in the seventies and the eighties because <laughs> right. the creation of these characters and the dialogue and all of that and you know Irvin Kirshner had a little bit of the dialogue as well too because he was really yeah. about developing the yeah. characters as they were acting and they improvised a little bit but man hats off to George for having this tiny insignificant creature turn into the wisdom of the galaxy. I think it's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's and it's crazy how he became such a popular character out of one out of one movie. Yeah. You know, cuz you know, Empire Strikes, you know, with Empire Strikes Back, we see Yoda and, and Luke, we're in that whole Dagobah, you know, scene. But then Return of the Jedi, we go there for what, maybe 5 minutes? Like it's not, you know, mm-hmm. and then after that, we, yeah, don't, we, much. we don't, yeah. Then we see Yoda prequels, you know? So even like the more, you know, the most time we got with, with Yoda during the original trilogy was Empire Strikes Back. And again, look how much people just gravitated to that character. And like you said, look what George did. George was so deep with, like you were saying, these philosophical ideals that he wanted to express and he did it in a creative way. Mm-hmm. That people were able to grasp them and then regurgitate them too, mm-hmm. and you know, and pass them on to their kids and or you know whatever, however you want to kind of say that. So yeah, it, it's it's amazing what what he did with that singular character and how that kind of really changed the whole landscape of Star Wars. Yeah, in a way, you know. So yeah, it's it's nuts. So like, what hits different for me now in the Dagobah scene is Mark Hamill's performance because before it was all about Yoda to me, right? And I always mm-hmm. thought that mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker was a little whiny and complainy. I, you know, you get a little bit of it in A New Hope. Yeah, I don't. You yeah, get a little bit of um, tiny, tiny bit when he says like, "You ask, you want the impossible," and it's like, "Shut right. up." Shut up, bro. Right. Just lift the X-Wing. The guy's telling you to do it. You do it. There's no try. Right. Come on. But um, when you watch some of the behind the scenes and you realize, number one, it was the last scene that they shot where those scenes were the Yoda scenes because they just did not have Yoda ready. And they were not sure how they were going to even do any of this. 
And then when they started using the puppet, it didn't work. Like his eyeballs would go all cockeyed and like crazy. And also it was Frank Oz was, you know, like under the set. And most of the time, Mark Hamill couldn't even hear him. So he wasn't even responding to what he was saying. He was doing it all based off right. of memorization. And that right. when you watch it, it's just amazing to me because the execution of his performance is so awesome. And I know a lot of it has to do with editing. And then a lot of it also has to do with Irvin Kirshner's directing as well, too. Right, right, Because right. could you imagine you spent all this time on this movie and you knew that, like, everything kind of centered around this one character and mm-hmm. they didn't even have it ready for you. And when they had it That's ready crazy. for you, it, it looked terrible. That's the other thing. It didn't even look good at first. All that stuff is like so different to me now. When you in the beginning, when when Yoda shows up and he's so playful and he's throwing the stuff around, and he's fighting R two. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean that stuff. That was all improv too. That was Ir- Irvin Kirshner saying, "Hang on, this thing has to be like a little bit more relatable," you know. And so right. he allowed it to be like again, like I said, like it had to be relatable. You had to be able mm-hmm. to understand its like thoughts and emotions. And so he made it playful, like right off the beginning. That was the first way you met it, and it was kind of like what George wanted too. He wanted a character. That you did not think was the wisdom of the world, that it was insignificant and you just could have passed by it on the street. And that's in the execution that everybody did with it. Mark Hamill, Irvin Kirshner, Mm -hmm. Frank Oz, all of that is just like a masterpiece to me. I don't care if I'm making it a really big deal. I think that the scenes on Dagobah with Luke and Yoda are some of the best cinema there are. 100%. Yeah. No, 100%. Because, I mean, think about kind of what you're saying, you know, as an actor, just think of it in those terms. He was talking to a puppet. like, yeah. And you had to, like you're saying, you had to make that relatable and tangible for people that are watching it on film to say, oh, OK, like he's not talking to like we're, it's, it's, it's an actual person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you had he made it feel that way, made you feel that that was an actual creature that they hired as an actor to put on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's how good Mark Hamill was and is really. Cause I mean, you could go, you could look at Mark's performance on the last Jedi. I think arguably again, one of his best performances, but yeah, with this and Dagobah, hands down, probably the best. And like, I think, yeah, we got to give, you know, obviously people give credit to George for the writing and all that stuff, but yeah, Irvin Kirshner directed this movie and he directed it to perfection, yeah. In my opinion, I mean, he had each scene like just nailed to in in again for me. I mean, the shots were perfect. The and everything flowed so well. You know, like the transitions, even the transitions from when you were with Han and Leia to when you go back to Dagobah, like it all it it, it flowed very very well. You know, and I I think a lot of people don't give. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe they do, but I don't think enough people give Kirshner enough credit as directing that movie. Yeah. In my opinion. So he I guess his that was his directing style was to find the perfect mm -hmm. shot in the moment. Mm -hmm. George's style was more of let's shoot a ton of footage and then I'll find it in the editing room because George loved editing. Yeah, he did. Kirshner or Kirsch, as George used to call him, he (laughs) wanted to get the shot perfect and he wanted the execution of the actors perfect as well, too. Like they talked about, uh, you know, the whole. Han being frozen in carbonite in the um, I love you, I know scene. They mm-hmm. said that they went over that for hours. 
hours. And then finally, when they did the I love you, I know, the crew was kind of like, really, that's it? Like, (laughs) that's what we're sticking with? (laughs) They were almost shocked because they're like, we've been doing this for an hour. There's no way like that's the the line and that's how it's going to come out. And then also the pulling the X-Wing out of the water. Irvin said that he only shot 11 seconds worth of footage. Wow, that's crazy. And he but he knew he had it. He knew he had exactly what he wanted because they went to go pull it out of the water and it was so heavy that the wings just like fell right off of it. So they had to like fix it for hours. And then when they finally did it again, he had everything in his mind prepared so well that he knew that he was only going to get one shot at this, literally one shot. And he got an 11 second shot and it was perfect. And that's what they ended up using. Yeah. I mean, again, amazing. That's just Amazing stuff. That's amazing stuff. You know, again, you can't talk about the, you know, I love you. I know. I mean, obviously, famously, and a lot of people know, I mean, it's, the story's been told multiple times from multiple different people. But obviously, that was a line that Harrison Ford came up with. Yeah. You know, he changed it because it was supposed to be very different. I think it, if I'm not mistaken, it was supposed he was supposed to say I love you, too, or something yeah. to that effect. I've heard and a he, couple different ones. Yeah. I've heard I love you. I love you. I love you, too. But I've also heard I love you. And he says, I love you, too. Just remember that because I'll be back. I've right, and right. that's the one I've heard that is absolutely true. I want to even say right. I've heard Irvin Kirshner say that. Yeah, which, yeah. But it, it just how you know that little change again, an iconic line. I love you. I know. I mean, that's just it's crazy to think how Harrison was like. No, ah, that's not how Han would say it. Right. And I like how Irvin and George obviously were like, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, and he, they changed it. And yeah. they went with what Harrison wanted. So that was, that was, you know, again, small little behind the scenes stuff. I love, you know, I'm, I'm all about that stuff. Yeah. And also, again, you talk about, um, we kind of briefly talked about the whole, you know, I am your father. Obviously that was very kept secret. That was only something that Mark, George and Irvin knew that the line was, you know, no, I am your father. Mm-hmm. Cause originally it was, it was no Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan killed your father. That was the original line, mm-hmm. but then they changed, but then George kept it a secret and they, and it was, you know, that Vader was his dad. And again, that was, if you think about it back then, like having the villain basically of, of the movie be related to the hero, that was different. Mm-hmm. That was different. I, I mean, as far as I'm aware, that was something that had not been used as much or or used at all. You know, having that two, you know, the two opposite sides be related in some way or fashion. So and again, it changed. It changed a lot of things for sure. So George knew that that was so heavy that he actually brought psychologists in just to see if it was too heavy because he was afraid that's he was gonna, he yeah. was really going to like affect some kids in a bad way. <laughs> he was, wow, that's he was scared of like scarring kids. So he brought psychologists in and they said, no, it's fine because they're going to there's going to be two two types of way they take this. One's going to take it and be OK with it. And the other one is just going to take it as a lie and think that Darth right. Vader is a bad guy and he right. is just lying. And they're like, and eventually it will. they'll come to terms with it and then they'll realize that it's the truth. So it's fine. You can do this. But I thought that that was so interesting that he that he was afraid of the impact that it would have on a younger audience that he almost felt like maybe I shouldn't do this. And he did some research into it. I thought that that was outstanding. Yeah. And again, that makes sense because as George has said many, many times, you know, the movies are for 
kids. It's younger kids. Yeah. They're for, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not for adults. Let's just be honest with it. Adults as like us and many other, you know, obviously many others, we enjoy these movies a lot, mm-hmm. but they are for younger kids. You yeah. know, these are movies that are about, you know, growing up, adolescence, things like that. So it's, it's interesting. And that makes total sense that George would, would do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because he wanted he wants these movies to be relatable to, you know, like like we're saying, the younger audience and that kind of reveal those kind of moments can be heavy for a younger kid to take. For sure. I wish you I know? could so experience that, it over again. Don't you? It'd Somehow. be interesting. It'd be interesting. Like a, like if we could go back in time or, yeah. if, you know, and. And just get, I would love to hear people's initial reactions. I love watching those reaction videos of kids that didn't know and their parents are like recording them. Like, Oh, they're great. Those are great. They're so great. And then even, even watching people that haven't watched Star Wars before. And now that because it's on Disney plus, it's more accessible. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, watching, I've been, that's what I've been doing lately is watching people react to like Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars just, you know, movies overall and hearing people's, again, initial reactions to scenes that we have all grown up on and known and they're seeing it for the first time. It's very interesting. I mean, that scene is intense. Just like Luke backing up on that little like scaffold and then all of a sudden Vader chops his hand off. He's holding his hand. You can see that it's missing. You know, you can see that there's like paint on his face and his arm is like charred oh my god it's so freaking cool and then he's like huddling away and then he drops the no i am your father i mean there is no (laughs) that scene is huge and then the reaction of mark hamill the the denial the no that's impossible the the scream and then he's way up and he's about to just fall right into this down this huge like shaft like that is that is movie watching it's amazing yeah i mean again performance fantastic and you can feel like you're saying you felt the the confliction even with luke yeah because of mark hamill because of you know he even you know he didn't think it was true and then obviously we know as vader kind of talked to him as he was on the as he got onto the millennium falcon you know he says luke and he answers father so even at that time luke maybe accepted it but it was still like he was still having a hard time accepting it but it was again just those little moments are so good within this movie that i think this is why i think a lot of people really think this is the best the best one of the bunch uh, in star wars overall what do you think about the people that put this low on their list (laughs) i mean hey again i'm not gonna judge but no oh no no no. we don't judge right for sure and that's fine like i know a lot of people some people don't some people aren't like a huge aren't huge on it or don't have it ranked again we've talked about this before i hate rankings i think rankings are subjective obviously and for people to get mad at other people for ranking movies that we have all watched or whatever and to get mad at somebody else's rankings is stupid it's just flat out stupid i wouldn't get mad at someone's rank of ranking the empire strikes back low i would just really want a strong like thesis written for me oh yeah i mean but that's but again that's the type of discussions i would love to have and it's not not a bad discussion it's just a discussion 
You better it's back it up. No, and even even if even if someone just said like, yeah, you know what, Empire Strikes Back, it wasn't for me. Like it, I like you know, it was a good movie or whatever. But if they just say, hey, you know, it wasn't for me. I like this movie more. Hey, that's fine. Like it, I don't I don't care. And that's why I think people get so so crazy about rankings. And again, that's a whole tangent. I'm not going to go on, but you know, it's just it's it's ridiculous. But again, you know, I think it's too how in what you watch prior to. A lot of people grew up in the prequel. You know, we grew up in the original trilogy. A lot of kids grew up in the prequels and the prequels is their Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So they connect to those movies more than the original trilogy. So I can't blame somebody for connecting to those movies or a movie within that in the first th- in, you know, in the prequel era more than the original trilogy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all, you know, but for us, for you and me, we, we, we are, we connect to the original trilogy more because again, that's what we grew up on. We grew up on this movie. We grew up watching these, watching these movies. Listen, Empire Strikes Back is, is the one that we, you know, find the best. Listen, Linda, the reason it's the best <laughs> is because it is the best, <laughs> just hands down. Hey, I mean, again, you're not going to get an argument from me. But again, some people don't see that way. And that's fine. Again, that's fine. Nope, think- I'm going to fight those people. Uh, I'm, gonna, right, I'm in a fighting right. mood today. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I've watched Empire Strikes Back like five times this weekend and it never gets old. Okay. No, it doesn't. I agree. Again, and that's okay. It I actually mean, I can only watch that gets movie. better. It's crazy. Yeah. But again, that's why I say rankings are subjective. People's opinions are subjective and that's okay. There's no need to attack somebody about their view on it. So whatever. I mean, let's I think bet. about, I mean, it also, I mean, sometimes Empire Strikes Back isn't my favorite movie. You know, sometimes it's The Last Jedi. Sometimes it's The Force Awakens. Sometimes right. it's exactly. Revenge of the Sith. It changes. It, it's like a Star Wars is like a living, breathing thing. There's it's so many. Yeah, it's a mood. And there's so many different elements in each Star Wars movie that it can affect you in different ways in different moments in your life. That's the coolest thing about it. Right now, heck yeah, Empire Strikes Back is usually always top on my list. But sometimes it's not, you know. Right. No, agree. Agree. Yeah, that's all I got. I guess I won't (laughs) fight anybody today, okay? (laughs) I talk you off the ledge. (laughs) I'm off. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. I'm all about holding hands and listening to Dave Matthews. Today. One love, one love. I like it. <laughs> one I like love. It. <laughs> no, but again, I mean, again, with Empire Strikes Back, they're, you know, going from, if you think about going from A New Hope, then going to this type of movie, it 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 is very different. You know, it's a very different type of sequel from the first one. And that's yeah. why I think I think people like it so much because it was different. It kind of maybe pushed their ideas about maybe where they thought this this trilogy at the time was going. Well, it, be, it, it made the characters more human, I thought, because instead yeah, of 100%. being a hero and a scoundrel and a princess and some mm-hmm. droids and a villain, you had Luke Skywalker. And you yep. had Han, so all of a sudden they became people, you know, and that really, and what really pushed that, I mean, if you think about the dialogue in Hoth in the beginning between Han and Leia, I mean, it is golden. There, oh, it's the best. It's the best. There's just the humor um, and the way that they just throw zingers at each other. And even also between C-3PO and R2, I mean, <laughs> I love your favorite line. Oh, switch off. I love I that know. part. <laughs> That was real life dialogue right there. And right, that's, what, right. that's what started to a lot. And Luke flying in the X-Wing and talking to R2. 
that stuff felt real. It didn't yeah. feel like I was watching some something in space. I was looking at, you know, these these humans having a human experience. Like it was a life awesome. doc like a real life documentary that someone yeah. was recording, right? Right. It was I awesome. Agree. Switch I agree. off. I love that part. <laughs> I'll switch off. I love C3PO. Do you ever notice what they're arguing about right before that? It's because C3PO said it was cold. And oh, yeah, something about Leia's, Leia's room was cold or something. C3PO wasn't somebody. Yeah, R2 turned the heaters on and it melted everything <laughs> yeah. and got her wardrobe all wet. I think that's so funny. <laughs> Oh, switch off. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even like the humor, again, it was great. And, you know, the the chemistry between obviously Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher was phenomenal. And then you get new actors like Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, who, again, people at the time at the end of Empire were not Lando fans. Heck no. You no, know, because people were like, why did you why did you betray them? Mm. You know, so, I mean, these new characters, too, were great. were awesome. I mean, then you get the whole scene of bounty hunters, mm. Boba Fett, Bosk. IG-88, you know, in the, the rest of them. So you get these additional, it's world building. You know, you see these back, that's that's the one thing about Star Wars is, is these background characters are then all of a sudden put to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And we were like, God, what, you know, then everybody's like, what, who are these people? I yeah. want more. Yeah. I want to know more. Dude, I would say one of the scenes that, the scene that hit me the hardest when I was younger, more than the I am your father scene, is when they opened up the door in Bespin and Darth Vader was sitting there at the end of the dining table. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Bro, That's that true. messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> because again, like he, you know, you didn't think he, the Lando was gonna, you know, betray them. And then oh you, my see, you see in a white room, you see a, a, a all black figure. And yeah, that was, that, that, was that, that was great. That, that messed me up. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. What yeah, I could see it. I mean, crazy. Uh, anything else you kind of want to talk about um, within the Empire Strikes Back? Any? I know you you did a lot of the like uh, you watch a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Anything else pop out to you? Uh, oh, the Darth Vader's uh, march, the Imperial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. That was the first time we ever got to hear it because in A New Hope there was just the Death Star theme. I I think they called it. So when George Imperial met with Tom, march, yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't an Imperial oh, no, March. Yet. Imperial March yet. Yeah, it was called the Death Star theme or something like right. that. And when George met with John Williams, he told him that he wanted something um, more dramatic and emotional, and he wanted something that was, and he wanted it to be very like profound and throughout the entire movie that you were just like constantly hearing it and you it was you know in your face, and that's exactly what. John said he wanted to come up with like something with a lot of brass and had a huge like force to it and was really repetitive and just made you, you know, mm -hmm. was in your face. And John Williams said that it was like one of the his it's his, one of his favorite pieces of music to perform in the Star Wars canon is is to do Darth Vader's March, which I think is pretty awesome. And I mean, it's iconic. It, it's it iconic. really is. Right. I mean, when I wash my hands now, I do it to the Imperial March because it nice. is. Nice. <laughs> that's the amount of time I guess I need to do that for. But it's um, oh, it's so catchy. You know, it is. It has like a beautiful, like not a beautiful melody, but like a strong, dramatic toughness to it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, iconic and it, and it fits the character so well. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you can really top that as a as a piece of music to go with a character. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think there's really any anything better. 
I don't, you know, I don't think there is. Remember when we first started recording and like when we first started this, I'm going, I'm going back way back when we first started podcasting <laughs> and I talked about how I never thought that the empire or the emperor was the main villain in star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I always just assumed that it was Darth that Darth Vader was the strongest, you know, right. That's right. just the presence that I feel, or that's what I've always felt. And I think it's because of the Empire Strikes Back that I feel that way. It's so Vader-dominated, and it's right. so right. Vader's march-dominated that you couldn't think any other way. Who was the, the Vader was supposed to be the biggest villain, and right. only until even Return of the Jedi, some guy shows up with a cane and... and is old he's supposed to be able to beat vader no way you know (laughs) so i think that's why i've always just had that mentality that he is the ultimate villain too bad in the rise of skywalker they didn't tie in anakin skywalker blah 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 i'm not gonna get into that but um (laughs) yeah i like palpatine too but you know growing up on the empire strikes back and return of the jedi vader is where it's at man strongest strongest cinematic character i know yep no, hundred percent. And again, that and it goes into Return of the Jedi too. I think it mm-hmm. just it just continues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of our wrap up of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Fortieth man, 40. one of the best. Four it's, zero. Yeah, and with us turning uh, four zero as well, we thought it was pretty uh, pretty good time to do that. So <laughs> kind of worked out for us for sure. It did. All right. So uh, yeah, anything anything else, or do you want to jump into Ask the Gals? I'm ready for Ask the Gals. All right, let's jump into it. We have some Ask the Gals questions. And let's start with our good friend, Ryan Bullock. Good friend of the show. Hey, Ryan. What up, man? Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Happy birthday. Belated birthday, but happy birthday to Ryan. Yeah, it was just his birthday. As well. Yeah, it was. All right. Uh, his question is, what Star Wars live action series would you like to see on Disney Plus? Could be any era or character. Ooh. Um, I would like more of Mandalorians. I like that whole kind of in-between... Hmm. Like what in between the siege of Mandalore hmm. or after after what happened, the siege of Mandalore to, you know, uh, return of the Jedi. Like that's that's a huge that's a huge timeline. But yeah. I would love to know what was going on back then, like how the Empire took it over. I mean, we know a little bit about it, I guess, in Rebels. But I would love to know more of those stories, more of like what happened on Mandalore. Even even if we went pre Mandalore, like pre um, Skywalker saga and got the story of pre Vizsla and how he became the first Jedi of the, you know, Mandalorian Jedi and all that Mm -hmm. and the Darksaber. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. What about you? Right now, I'm on a little bit of a OG era kick because I'm reading Afro. Nice. Very nice. And this whole timeline in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is pretty dope because a lot happens. Vader's off trying to figure out what's up with who's this Luke Skywalker guy? And is he really my son? And that's another thing that when we were growing up, we'd never really realized that there had to be research for that. We kind of always just assumed like he heard his last name. That must be his son. But he actually had to go seek out information to figure all that out. And yep. he had to do it secretively because he didn't want the em- emperor to know. So Afra Vader doing a, some sort of series with with those characters and that timeline. That'd be fun. 
That'd be fun. I think it would be dope. Yeah, I like that. It's a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. All right, let's go to uh, Mr. Adam Goswick from the Certain Point of View podcast. Oh, and uh, part of our crew now. Yeah, part of the Red Five. Part yeah. of the Red Five. All right. He says this. How are we feeling about Star Trek these days? Picard in, in another new series on the way. Are we Trekkies here at all? All right, so I'll be honest. I'll be honest, Adam. Uh, mm-hmm. I am not a... Well, I don't want to say I'm not a huge Star Star Trek fan because I did enjoy the newer Star Trek movies that had Chris Pine in it that he was Captain Kirk. Yeah. I like those movies. I love those three movies. Dug them. I, and I might get hate for this, but I have never watched a single movie or series besides that in the Star Trek universe. Wow. I have not. Not I know these characters. Like I know who Picard is, yeah, and all that stuff. But yeah, I have not. I have never watched any of the Star Trek movies with um, William Shatner. None of the series. You've nothing. never seen the Wrath of Khan? No, I haven't. I know. Shut I know. up. I haven't. I have never saw the one Star Trek movie with the. I think it's the whales. Was there whales in it? <laughs> I have no space whales. <laughs> no, not Purgles. <laughs> I remember seeing one of them in the movie theater. It was the one where they like ended up not being on Earth. I'm not going to watch these. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not, not against Star Trek, Adam, but I don't. We're not obviously huge. I, oh, I'll speak for myself. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan in those, in in the way that I am with Star Wars. So I'm not really a huge Star Trek fan either, but. I do remember The Wrath of Khan. It's a really good movie. Um, don't you remember when he put the thing in his ear and pulled the thing out of his ear? You don't remember no, that? I don't. Like, I don't remember. I have not seen that movie at all. It's a good <laughs> Again, one. I might get hate for it, but that's okay. I think I'm going to revisit. I think I might revisit a show, maybe some Deep Space Nine. Nice. Like something it. like that. But uh, no, I haven't been watching uh, Picard. I try not to watch shows too much because I don't like sucking the life out of my life with movie with shows. <laughs> Shit's Creek. I gotta get you on Shit's Creek. Bro, the, I have a really bad TV watching problem. Like if I can't stop, so <laughs> I just I just don't do it. So That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I will. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Thanks for the question, Adam. We appreciate it. All right. Um, let's go to Mr. Ben Akers himself. Ben, he asked, What do you think about the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League getting released? Seems to me that a lot of Star Wars community people have unfairly thrown a lot of salt towards the announcement based on the actions of a few trolls and lumped any DC fans together. Mm. Ooh, I kind of, I like this. And I like your thought on that, Ben. I do. I do like your, uh, your viewpoint on that. Star Wars fans throwing salt. You gotta be kidding me. I know. Nobody does that, right? No way. Okay, so first of all, the whole Zack Snyder releases Zack Snyder cut thing. Here's my opinion on it. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. That's my my opinion. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. Like, people have been been wanting this whole thing for, like, ever. And that's fine. You don't even know if it's good. Right. And I get it. I mean, I know a lot of people wanted to see this version. And obviously he had to step back from this because of horrible circumstances. Yeah. So I get it. And, you know, Josh Whedon took over and he did his thing. And a lot of people didn't think it meshed with Zach. But here's my thing. I 
I don't believe that it's going to be, I mean, it could be vastly different. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be that vastly different from what what we got. I could be totally wrong and that's fine. But first of all, A, am I going to sign up for HBO Max just to watch this? No, I don't care enough to 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 do that. Um, number one. Number two, I again, I, cool. You know, people got what they want with the Snyder Cut. Awesome. Like, I, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just not in involved with the DC people universe that to a, to the point where I care enough to like say, oh my God, I can't wait for the Snyder Cut. Like, hey, if I, if I can stream it somehow, uh, okay, yeah. You're going mean, to pirate if, it, Lauren? I, probably not. It's not worth my time. I mean, again, I, I watched I watched Justice League, uh, saw it, thought it was okay. And end of story for me, for me. Again, I know a lot of people are excited about this. Yeah. A lot of people are excited about this. And that's and that's cool. I'm, I'm glad people are able to, you know, get this quote unquote version that they've been wanting for for a long time. But it does set, in my opinion, a very dangerous precedent. Problematic. That's exactly yes, what I was going to say. It's very problematic. It's Absolutely. very problematic. So what do you that's, what do you got? What's what's your thoughts? It's problematic. <laughs> Okay. It is. Know. I mean, it is. I 100% agree. Uh, you know, I, it just is. I mean, we heard it a lot when the Rise of Skywalker came out like, well, first of all, it was just stupid that people were saying release the JJ cut because you yeah. got the JJ cut. Thank but you. um to feel like there's different versions of movies floating around and to take away um, you know, the effort and and work that an entire team put towards making a movie it's kind of ridiculous not saying that i get it sometimes people make bad, bad movies or sometimes they make movies that aren't to your expectations mm-hmm. uh, well mm-hmm. then make your own damn movie and i hate saying that too okay. because i know that there's supposed to there's only people that are that creative mindset and are you know that intellectually able to i mean this is a huge thing to be able to betray a story cinematically and make it look beautiful not many people can do that. So the people right. that are right. in this arena that do it you should get a level of respect for doing it. You know, right. I'm kind of sick of people just sitting on their couches saying it should have been like this. Really? Okay. Well, <laughs> cool. Like, cool. That's your opinion. But I yeah. mean, that's this is what we got. And for me, what why waste? And I've we've we've probably talked about this maybe off air a lot, but like why waste your energy on something that you have no control over? Number one, number two, they're not going to change it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In this in this instance, you know, somehow it worked out to where Zack Snyder is able to release his cut of of Justice League, which again, you don't know if how much is going to be different, how much is going to change. Like I don't. I don't know if people expect like this whole like thing to be completely different than what we got. I don't think it's going to, because either. again, from what my understanding is, is that a lot of it was Zach's stuff already. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. So me personally, yeah. I am, I am all for extended cuts. Like I am all for, I shot a bunch of stuff yeah, I agree. and, like, like, I, and um, I made a conscious decision right. to not make it a four hour movie, but here's the four hour movie if you want it. Like Lord of the right, Rings. Like Lord of the Rings. Right, right. Right. I like that kind of stuff. That's what I'm here for, but I am not here for, I want a different movie. Just hands down, I don't like that whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But thanks for the question, uh, Ben. Appreciate you. Appreciate you a lot. 
Uh, next question comes from our good friend, Mr. Cam Ray himself. Ooh. And he says this. In your last episode, you touched on Jimmy Schmidt's reprising his role as Bail Organa in the Cassian show. Assuming you're down for a spinoff of Organa series, when would you? When would it take place and would it, what would be explored? Leia's childhood or leading up to Alderaan's end, etc.? Ooh, I like this question a lot. Of course, obviously. Or, I do. Ooh, a series called Organa. I like that. I know, me too, of course. That's cool. Um, okay, so let's see. When would it take place and be explored? So I think a good think a good part to start with would be obviously in this kind of rebellion era. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe more it is more it would be more following him and what he's been doing to get the rebellion up and running. I mean, we've gotten bits bits and pieces of it, right? From rebels and books and things like mm-hmm. that. So I think doing a whole series of just focusing on him and what he does, I'm down for it because I I'm cool with like a political thriller. I like it. Yeah. nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'd be cool for it. So um, yeah, I think that would be more for me. That would that would be my cup of tea is following Bale and him trying to get this rebellion up and running and kind of the obstacles that he's facing. And then again, yeah, maybe have a cameo or mentions of Leia <laughs> and what and all that stuff. I think that'd be cool. What do you think? My jumping off point would be, remember in the Ahsoka novel, his uh, his flashback of how he would have nightmares about the night of Order 66? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be like my jumping off point of like Ooh, him like re-experiencing those, those feelings and maybe seeing a different outcome. I also would like right off of that moment, I want to know what the Senate was like while it was under imperial yeah. structure yeah yeah yeah, we yeah. Have no idea what maybe we do i always say that we have no idea and i bet you there's books on it but <laughs> not not a lot i mean very little very right. little is on what was taking place after the after revenge of the sith and like yeah. what the senate looked like yeah we don't have a lot it's all you if, know at all if at all is that the empire dissolved the senate in a new hope right that's what he said. Because that remember was 19 Leia says, years. Yeah. Leia was like, this years. Senate will not, will never stand for this. And he was like, oh, he just dissolved it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Tarkin so, says they finally dissolved it. Right. That's a long time. I want to know what it was years, like yeah. there. Right. So you're, so think of that. 19 years of what was going on in the Senate at this time. I mean, in the, the, like you're saying, the dissolution, the, you know, it being dissolved. That's a lot. And that yeah. must have, obviously it took that long for the emperor to basically crumble it down. So then he is basically the one and only, you know, power. Yeah. So, you know, that, there's a lot to explore. And again, Bail Organa was a big part of that era. So yep. yeah, I agree. That'd be a cool jumping off point. Yep. All right. So let's go to our, we got two more. Uh, our next one is from radio rebellion podcast. And they said, depending on what your favorite food is, where on star Wars do you think, You'd find the best recipe for it. Ooh. I love tacos, so I'm going to go with gonna taco. say tacos. So too. I'm going to yeah, go, go with ahead. Taco Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Makes sense. I'm here. I for don't it. know. If, I'm here I don't for even it. know if there were tacos on Taco Donna, but why not? Makes sense. I'm, I'm with it. Tacos. <laughs> uh, same thing. Tacos, but where would you find? 
You know, honestly, you could probably find like a sweet hole in the wall place, like you're saying, on Taco Donna <laughs> or like Tatooine or Jakku, like a hole in the wall. Like, there's got to be best, street tacos somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Someone's got the best street tacos somewhere and we would find them for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Taco Donna, I'll take that. I'll say yeah. they had the best tacos for sure. <laughs> All right. Then our last question comes from Mr. Roe Gazga himself, Mr. Scarif Scuttlebutt. Uh, his question is this what's your favorite thing about podcasting uh what would you what would you tell your day one just starting out podcast yourself about the exciting world of star wars podcasting see you on the flip side thank you ro um ooh, what is the what is your favorite thing about podcasting honestly i think it's just i mean a couple things one just talking to you being able to talk about star wars all the time is fun yeah <laughs> that's that's always been a favorite thing. And then just talking to other people like Ro and Cam and all the and Ben and all the um, people that submit questions to us and the people we interact with on Twitter. It has been my favorite part of doing this whole podcasting and just talking to other, you know, nerds, really. Yeah. You know, what about you? Yeah. My favorite part is talking to you, Lauren. <laughs> It really is. is. I know it sounds cheesy. (laughs) I mean, but it is. I mean, how many times do you have a good conversation with someone and it just, you know, kind of floats away? It doesn't become anything. And what's amazing is that we get to record these conversations with each other and experience them and other people get to experience them. That's kind of that's kind of mind blowing, if you ask me. Yes, it is. It is. So I I love talking to you, especially about Star Wars, especially being a a nerd about things and uh, you know, that's that's just my favorite thing, being nerds. <laughs> we are total nerds. <laughs> and that's why we record it, so everybody else can know that. Yep. <laughs> and people listen. I'm still, that, like you said, it still blows my mind. Yep. People listen to us. <laughs> 40 shows and people are still like, yeah, okay, I like you guys. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's cool. <laughs> It's still a very weird thing for for me, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Any last thoughts? Anything you want to wrap up on? Uh, I don't have. No, I don't really have anything. I don't think. And now my day is over with and I don't know what to do with myself (laughs) because (laughs) it's a Monday. We're not working. So Monday and I'm already done with work and uh, I already watched like five hours worth of Star Wars. So I would feel really bad if I subjected my kids to that some more. I don't know. Watch do. Solo. That's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to watch Solo. Yeah, make Solo 2. Yeah, make Solo 2 happen, people. We are recording on Make Solo 2 Happen Day, courtesy of the Resistance Broadcast. So, yep, go ahead and hashtag that all the time, anytime, day or night. Uh, it's it's worth it. All right, guys, that's our show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it um, as much as we did. Uh, if you don't follow us, please follow us. We are, are on Twitter at The Galactic Pod, and we are our episodes are on on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Pod, and most importantly, the red5network.com. You can find this episode and all our other episodes on those various platforms. And you can follow me, Lauren Romo, at Lowronos on Twitter. You can follow me, Andrea Gutierrez, at R2D2Step on Twitter. And may that force be with you guys. Always. Always. Always.